aboard Salt Force One, a podcast where we talk all things Navy, military, and other global happenings. I am your Commander-in-Chief, Frank. And I am the Salty Millennial, otherwise known as Jimmy. And Jimmy, why don't you uh, tell the fine folks who we have today? Yeah, so on our show today on Salt Force One, we've got uh, Commander Justin Henderson with us. Uh, He was the uh, defense counsel for um, Commander Bryce Benson, who was the commanding officer of the USS Fitzgerald during the... 2017 collision uh it's been all over the news for uh, over a year now and um the uh the case has uh, uh we think has come to a conclusion with a uh the charges being dropped a letter of censure from the secretary of the navy um and even a rebuttal from uh, commander benson and uh we want to talk about uh, all those things with justin um justin can you hear us yeah i can hear you i'll i'm gonna try to um turn up my sound a little bit all right, but I can hear you just great. Okay, uh, so before, so so, first things first, the most important thing that we're going to talk about here oh today, uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, I understand you saw it. What what did you think? Well, and actually, before he answers, let's make sure we put a little spoilers thing. If you oh, haven't yeah, seen Endgame yeah. yet, uh, we'll I, probably have to put that on the on the website when we post <laughs> the episode. There's going to be spoilers all over. I'll this. put a mark where you can jump to. <laughs> okay, so. Justin, were you a fan? Uh, it, it was fine. I went with a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> I went the, with an eight-year-old. seven-year-old thought there was too much violence, and the five-year-old thought there was not enough. Or at least <laughs> it, it took an hour and a half before the first big violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of I kind of empathize with that. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, and... Uh, I thought I wanted more Hulk smashing. I, I, I don't like the gentler Hulk. He was funny. He was funny, but I wanted I wanted him to also bust loose and do yeah, some smashing. I didn't see you. I did. I was waiting. You know, I I, I enjoyed the final battle scene though. I kind I like the Scarlet Witch getting all pissed off and oh, being yeah, like, "You yeah. took everything from me." And Thanos was like, "I don't even know who you are." And, and <laughs> it was like that was cool, but uh, you know, so the <laughs> I got a little bit in a little bit of trouble on Twitter this week um, because the whole thing with Thor. Being uh, fat and uh, you melted know, ice cream, yeah, melted ice cream, and uh, I guess people um, were comparing him to a veteran with PTSD, which apparently now you just you just see a movie and then immediately react and you tie it to some social issue and then you write an article about it and then everybody's supposed to care. So I got I got kind of uh, hot and said, you know, hey, this is this is stupid. If you're if you're an, if you're a veteran and you are um, offended by this movie. Um, you have too you much should, time. You should, on your look, hand. you should look at you know. Okay, so is it is it is it hurting anybody? No. Um, and if you have PTSD, uh, you're not helping yourself by getting all pissed off at this movie. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I I I love veterans. I am a veteran. I'm still in. I'm still in the Navy. Uh, Justin, you are. I I know you are too. But uh, at, at no point did I watch that movie and think, oh man, they're really being insensitive to veterans, and they need to. <laughs> yeah. they need to correct themselves it's a movie that has witches and mutants well yeah. i guess no mutants and it's, technically and thor is a norse god he's he's right. not a u.s army veteran i mean they're in their thing is that they've actually dealt with that topic in the series of movies with uh captain the, america in the winter soldier so um anyway so justin i'm glad you uh i'm glad you, <laughs> i'm glad your kids enjoyed it at least um we we did as well. Um, I, I, maybe I'm more of a seven year old than, than an adult. But. Were you uh, were you a fan of the other movies in the series? 
they've been getting better. The Guardians of the Galaxy have been great. Thor Ragnarok was great. That was actually, I didn't like that one at all, Thor Ragnarok. It oh, was, that was cool. Oh, you didn't? No, I mean, it was fine, but uh, it was it was out of, like, at the, after that movie, Thor has remained kind of goofy, but up until that point, he wasn't a, a goofy character. Yeah, and so that I, was a buddy movie. It, it was a buddy movie, which is fine. I Like, it's it's funny. My kid loves it, but yeah. uh, that was one where I was like, what am I even watching here? Like, it did kind of take a left turn with his, his character. It, it was out, they, and they said they were wanting to make a movie for uh kevin smith types for the fanboys to just enjoy they knew oh. they were going to retire the thor line outside of avengers because it wasn't selling enough um <laughs> and no one really liked the, the the thor movies but uh i don't know it just seemed to it it was i don't know it was too silly i think sometimes i just thought it was I mean, too it, silly. it never really got unsilly after right. that uh, he stayed you know and this is a great example with this last one where he was silly the whole time so um okay enough avengers so this is another so okay so people that didn't want to hear all the spoilers can jump back in here um justin we're talking about um so a rather serious topic with the um the 2017 collision uss fitzgerald so what when did you so i want to take you back kind of back to the summer of 17 if you can tell me a little bit about when you first heard of the collision and when you first um knew you were going to be involved in the case Sure. In the summer of 2017, I was not a defense attorney. I was still working as an appellate government attorney in the Navy's appellate government division here in Washington D.C. Um, so I was I was at a pretty far remove um, from not just from operations, but from any possible trial level evolutions that would have followed on. Okay. Not that there were any in the summer of 2017. Yeah. I, I didn't know I was going to be involved in the case until about five days after charges were sworn out, what we call charges being preferred. Yeah. Um, Commander Benson had a defense counsel in Japan, and um, I was brought in as an assistant counsel about a week after charges were preferred. That was the first time I ever heard of Commander Bryce Benson as anything more than a um, a face or a crawl across a CNN um, Chiron. Okay, Uh, yeah, because it was... That was was... January 2018. All right, yeah, it was was definitely in the the news... um... Uh, before then, I mean, basically, as soon as the the collision happened, he was in the news. But uh, um, and this uh, this idea of charges being preferred is, uh, is is that a navy thing or is that just a, a, a legal thing? I mean, it basically means that, that they that the navy issued charges. Nope that's that's just part of the uniform code. Charges get sworn in a manner called preferral. Um, that's the first moment that you're dealing with something, um, an allegation that rises above a an administrative or non-judicial punishment um, disposition. Okay. So yeah. you you know you're you know you're in the court martial world when you have charges preferred. Ah. Doesn't mean it has to go to court martial, but you you know you have a charge that 
um, yep. has, has been modeled after one of the, the punitive articles. You're not going to captain's mass at that point. You don't know. So, I mean, you could. You, you, there hasn't been a final disposition decision okay. by the by a convening authority. All it really means is that somebody who is authorized to um, has either personal knowledge or has conducted the investigation um, and and ha- believes that an offense occurred and has sworn to that offense. Yeah. Um, and the charges were, right off the bat, they were negligent homicide. Is that correct? There were five specifications, two under Article 92, which is the dereliction of duty. Yeah. Um, two under Article 110, which is hazarding a vessel, and one under Article 134, which was the negligent homicide. All alleged a criminal liability theory of negligence. Okay. All right. And, um... And we're gonna. We're, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit. But did you? What? When did you first meet um, Bryce Benson? Uh, we're, Matt, we're just yeah. call him Bryce. Yeah, he was. He was already in D.C. He had. He'd been here in D.C. since a couple of days after his. Now, now originally, charges very similar to this. Three specifications similar to these five had been disposed of at non-judicial punishment in August of 2017, and a few days later, he he flew back here to the National Capital Region to um, to to attach to Naval District Washington and then and then begin his course of treatment at Walter Reed National Medical Center. Right, because he, uh, he had traumatic brain injury from the collision, right? Acute, acute PTSD and TBI, yes. Yeah. yeah, he was, so for our listeners who don't know, he... Uh, during the collision, wound up, I think, outside the skin of the ship at one point, was hanging on for dear life. Jesus. Um, was in his cabin. Uh, his crew rescued him. Um, yeah, there were a lot of a lot of uh, acts of valor that night, um, that being one of them. And uh, so he definitely uh, was lucky to be alive. And um, then I guess at some point, um, among, uh, in the middle of all this, there was the McCain collision. So... You know, you had mentioned that the, that he had already been brought up on these similar charges. Um, is that when the the uh, McCain collision happened, and then they decided to go forward with the court martial? How did that work? The, I can't speak to the decisions, but the order of events was Fitzgerald collision early morning of seventeen June two thousand seventeen. Investigation by Rear Admiral Fort lasts until late July 2017. Commander U.S. 7th Fleet at the time, Vice Admiral Alcoin, imposed non-judicial punishment on Bryce and a few others from the Fitzgerald on Friday, 18 August 2017. And the McCain collision was Monday, 21 August 2017. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And so... Um, do you, so, okay, so I guess, um, tough question here, but do you think that, uh, the McCain collision had an impact on how the Navy handled, uh, Bryce's case? Yeah, I don't even think that's in dispute. I mean, I think, so the, the dispositions at non-judicial punishment were routed and, um, 
I hesitate to use the word approved, but were made known to and um, sanctioned or ratified by the highest levels of the Navy. Okay. So that, that, has, that has been litigated in court. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and um, were, you, were you just uh, Bryce's counsel or were you representing any of the other officers uh, on the show? Yes. Yeah, so, so <laughs> there, there, there's a long and very complicated story about who in Japan was representing which of the officers from both the McCain and Fitzgerald collisions, and then ultimately from higher echelons. Hmm. Um, yeah. Because after the McCain collision, um, which had its own independent investigation, um, th- that investigation also resulted in non-judicial punishments of McCain officers yeah. and, and enlisted personnel. Then um, the... Chief Naval Operations appointed a consolidated disposition authority, uh, Admiral Caldwell, who this was October 30, possibly the memo was dated 31, okay. uh, 2017, who took his own look at higher echelons um, to include the squadron, um, the carrier strike group, the, the CTF, um, and then ultimately seventh fleet. And when so you say everybody took, took a look, you mean I'm they sorry? were they were they were also um, being considered for charges, or they were under, what? What do you mean by he took a look? I assume they were considered for charges. They, they what was styled was um, accountability actions, and yeah. I, I kind of shudder at that term. It's okay. We, we, it, it, we yeah. don't find accountability actions under the code. Um, and so you won't, an accountability action is not a basis of a charge. Okay. I, I guess it's a, it's a way of thinking about, um, organizing a response to, um, a catastrophe, but, um, it doesn't, it doesn't direct charges or inquiry one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I, so I, you, I assume, I, I'm sorry. No, no, I just, uh, you, you say code and you mean, the UCMB. Under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Yeah, right. and then and so you're you what you're kind of saying is that we talk about accountability in the Navy all the time, and there's not an easy translation into the UCMJ. It's not it's not a one for one. Um, okay, you're account you know you you are found accountable for these actions. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be uh, charged with certain articles of the UCMJ. Am I am I tracking? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you, we, we can use accountability, at, you know, as part of our lexicon of leadership yeah. um, and how we want to organize our forces and the sort of ethic that we want to um, instill. And and we can be way outside of a criminal disposition. <laughs> but yeah. but but we could also be talking about let's figure out who's at fault, who's um, criminally liable, um, and. As we're as we're thinking about accountability, when they end up bringing charges, yeah. Um, so, so without knowing, I, I, I certainly didn't have a good window into the way that the consolidated disposition authority was conducting his review. Maybe he was considering charges against higher echelon. Um, I I suspect not. They're they're at, they're at a pretty far remove. We thought Bryce was at a pretty far remove. They're at a really far remove. Yeah. Um, but but. 
that doesn't mean that they don't need the advice of counsel. So, so as the counsel started to become used up with various conflicts, um, the the representation um, got split apart, and ultimately, from about January until late February, I was the only counsel for Bryce. Oh, and now is everything with the McCain? Is that all wrapped up? Is that all like that's concluded and handled? On board the ship. Um, so let me answer this way: criminal disposition, yes. Okay. And were yeah, because they didn't. They did not. Um, there was no criminal charges. Well, them? I don't think they. Um, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the legal term. They didn't resist. They didn't. Uh, uh, object. They didn't say, "Okay, let's go to trial." They they accepted the charges. They they is that right? The, for, um, the, for the McCain collision? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, com- I mean, the commanding officer, Commander Sanchez, pled guilty at court martial. Right, right. So he he pled guilty. He didn't contest the the charges. What? And that's the, that's a difference, right? Because Bryce Bryce did not plead guilty. What What were the charges? Uh, they, same exact same charges. Um, homicide or well, not, the the language of the charge was different, but. Um, 92, 110, and 134. Um, and, and let me just say this, this is, this may be detailed, but I, I certainly don't want to represent, misrepresent, um, Commander Sanchez's position. Yeah. Uh, he, he pled guilty to a much reduced charge under Article 92. So, I, he did contest oh, negligent okay. homicide okay. And, and improper hazarding, and, and they reached a pretrial agreement wherein his, the only thing he would have to plead guilty to was a bare dereliction of duty, not even resulted in death, just no, a bare okay. dereliction of duty. Yeah. Okay. I want to get back to something you said. Did, did, so talking about the higher echelons, the the strike group, the fleet, and that level. So that uh, you said they did they they didn't they needed the advice of counsel and probably and that uh, you know they were kind of the consulates were being used up. I mean, so were they were they kind of lawyering up? Uh, to use a, a very official uh, sea lawyer term, um, and this is about the extent of my legal knowledge. I mean, so was it kind of like they were all lawyering up to be prepared in case they needed counsel? I w- I w- wouldn't say that. I mean, I, lawyering up is a. Uh, I wouldn't say lawyering up. That's okay. a pejorative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Fair I enough. Think, I think every one of the higher echelon. I think now, I could be wrong. So. So if somebody calls in later and says, I got this wrong, I'm perfectly okay. happy to admit we, it. Um, we I say things wrong all the time. cooperated 100%. Okay. So, yeah. so I don't think any of them invoked. I don't think any of them withheld or um, declined to participate. I, I, I just, Across yeah. the waterfront, across the flight line, at every installation over the last half decade, I think, Everybody in relatively senior Navy leadership has learned that the advice of counsel trying to scope out what could happen to you um, in in the face of an investigation um, that you didn't originally think was going to reach into your lifeline yeah. um, is valuable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think everybody tried to make use of those services. And if you go back to that time... In uh, late 2017, early 18, uh, you know, nobody, nobody really knew what was going to happen. Especially so. with, I mean, with two collisions too. I yeah, mean, you yeah. probably how to... far was it going to go? You yeah. know, what was the blast radius? So, um, and we talked a lot about that. And and um, 
there uh, were people that were relieved. There were people that were forced to retire. Um, the the head of Naval Surface Forces, Admiral Rowden, retired early. Um, Admiral Aucoin, you mentioned earlier, um, retired early or uh, was, I don't know if he was forced to retire. I mean, he definitely was inside the blast radius. Um, and, and then you also mentioned um, Admiral Caldwell. Uh, who kind of came up in the news um, for uh, this term that we've thrown around a lot, uh, UCI, uh, unlawful command influence. Is that, am I, am I getting that right? So can you tell me a little bit about uh, Caldwell and, the, and then him being, I guess, sep- separated from the case? Because that's, sure. all, that's all in public. I mean, that's all, you know, news articles. And- it is. And, and I, I, well, is, you know, you can hear listeners just... Um, Falling off the line as we talk more about um, UCI and other legal ideas. I'm fascinated about it. This is my podcast, okay. so I, you know, I'm, well, I'm enjoying it. Funny enough, that seems to be our wheelhouse. <laughs> Here's how we litigated it, and, and I'll, I'll use that phraseology as often as I can because that, that you know, our, our courts aren't um, transcribed and put out on Taster, which is a public accessing system. But once you, once they're in open court, you know, anybody could be sitting there, anybody could have gotten them, and people could foyer this too. So this is, this is not, um, this is not really subject to much dispute because, because this is our position. Okay. Um, Admiral Caldwell is a, um, you know, he's, he's, he's naval reactors. He's the, he's the NOON on CNO staff. He is the director of the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program. Um, and he is the four star admiral who was, designated to be the Consolidated Disposition Authority. Yeah, he's about as senior he as it gets. In, I'm sorry? He's about as senior as it gets in the Navy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and um, that, that that turned out to be an issue as we moved forward in litigation. But um, he, he, under the mantle of commanding officer, military personnel detachment, uh, Office of Naval Reactors, Department of Energy, a four clause command title. Hmm. Um, he um, acted as convening authority for the six cases, six, six court martial cases that came out of the Consolidated Disposition Authority review. Consolidated Disposition Authority meant to look at all of the seven fleet collisions. Um, I'm, excuse me, not all of the seven fleet collisions, the McCain Fitzgerald collision. Okay, yeah, not there, in his. There were others, right? Not in his purview were were Lake Champlain and Antietam. Yeah, um, not not fatal collisions, much lesser. And and quite frankly, if those if those were the only two collisions of that year, then they wouldn't have even made news. I mean, it would have been there's a there's a Correct. huge huge level of um, uh, difference between the the sort of the severity in the in the in those two collisions and then the McCain and Fitzgerald. Okay, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Good, no. It, Correct, and and now somebody could have made a colorable argument that, that the full scope of review um, for a consolidated disposition authority to ensure um, consistency, transparency, um, and and equality across all of the dispositions would have incorporated those recent events. But the the charter, the exact order signed by VCNO um, to consolidated disposition authority. Um, read only McCain and Fitzgerald. Yeah. So he reviews that, um, and and I know that his office um, took the position that he was not to, and his office was not to conduct original investigation. 
they were to review the investigations done and the dispositions made and see if anything additional or different needed to be done. But he, he did. He did conduct an investigation. And he did. And he did. So he, he, he received that um, order on, I apologize, I should know, 30 or 31 October. And uh, that's, by that's a markdown for you. You know, you're, you're getting sloppy. <laughs> yeah, by late December, he'd had his disposition decisions made and began acting on them early to mid-January. Ultimately, charges were sworn out against six officers, um, one, one chief petty officer, uh, on 15 January 2018. That was Martin Luther King Day. Okay. Um, now, as to UCI, here's how we litigated it. First, we... We just call it unlawful influence. And if anybody wants to, they can open up Article 37 and Congress titled that provision in the UCMJ, unlawful influence. Unlawful command influence is part of the vernacular, but it's not really the the statutory prohibition. Okay. The prohibition is on um, the unlawful use of power and authority to influence um, outcomes and procedures in in courts martial. Now, is there a uh, is there a, like a, a civilian equivalent to this to unlawful influence? Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. And, and here's the, there, there is a presumption of innocence, and and unlawful influence um, descends from or derives from constitutional guarantee of presumed innocence. Hmm. But um, the closest you would get to um, something like that in the civilian realm is. Uh, an extraordinary level of pretrial publicity that's so adverse to a defendant, you can't receive a fair trial. But that's always venue dependent. Yeah, they so always the change the typical venue. remedy yeah. in civilian world is a move for a change of venue. Well, when you have like uh, um, I don't know, national case like OJ or something, and then you know, where do you go? Uh, I don't know. But I guess with the military, I mean, no matter what, you're still in the Navy. Yeah, <laughs> where you are. Well, let's say let's say there's right, exactly. a. Um, like hypothetically speaking, the the president tweets about uh, a case where a Navy SEAL is accused of murdering somebody uh, extrajudiciously, and he's calling him a hero, and uh, he needs to be released from pretrial confinement. Um, is that something that you would be you would would that be considered UCI or an awful influence? Well, that cuts in the wrong direction, but it it could be. I mean, yeah. a, a a presidential statement and and. This was well litigated um, back in 2012-13 time frame when then-President Obama um, appeared in one or possibly two um, public remarks to demand specific sentences for those convicted of sexual assault. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Where, he, yeah. where he was talking about our lack of um, tolerance for sexual assault in the Department of Defense. And, and the appropriate outcome was dishonorable discharge. Um, that certainly was raised in all sorts of courts as unlawful influence upon the court proceeding. Yeah, that probably because, didn't help. Because, and this is what Article 37 is, is designed to insulate against, um, everybody's subject to the president's orders, just like everybody's subject to leadership orders up and down the chain. Uh, and it certainly looks like when leadership wants an outcome, that um, yeah, binds well, the I'm, fact finder. But I mean, but uh, I guess saying like in the event that one is found guilty of something, this should be 
the recommended sentencing. Is that the same as influencing a a trial? Yeah, it's it's. Are you interpreting the the, the is the is the comment meant to say uh, the, he's mean, guilty and he should be given an dishonorable discharge, or if he's found guilty, right. then he should be given. And, and what happens is, and I think it's interpreted this way: is you don't you, you know you can't tell the difference. Well, but because like I mean, I have no disagreement. Like if uh, if you're in the military and you're also a rapist, then yeah, I do think you should be dishonorably discharged. Yeah, you know? if you are found guilty, right? And, but if you if you're not yeah. a rapist, if you're just well, charged with it, and so not this innocent. is a this is a good this is a good this is a good question because UCI we talk about it a lot, and there are some people that say to hell with UCI, it's not the most important thing. And there have been so so getting past Caldwell and the UCI, there was also uh, allegations of the Navy at large, and we'll just say the CNO. Um, and and his uh, involvement in the case and it being UCI, which I don't think he was ever told directly that he was, uh, you know, con- uh, having unlawful influence. But I think there were some, and so maybe you can help us out here. I think there were some, maybe some warnings given to him, and um, and I think also the the VCNO. Is that right, Justin? I'm I'm sorry. I missed that very last question. Oh, so warnings given to whom? To the the CNO, to Admiral Richardson. So we're kind of going past. So we're talking about the about UCI with Admiral Caldwell, but then even in public statements with Admiral Richardson, um, there were some questions raised about his influence in the case. Um, and then there was even people saying, "Well, UCI is not the most important thing, and maybe maybe in fact he's." He's he's aware of what he's doing and he's doing it for for a good reason. I mean, uh, I'm not sure about sure. that, but uh, um, sure. I, so so um, to to go back to the, I'll try to answer all these questions in order. Frank, you asked about um, the propriety of President Obama's yeah. remarks six or seven years ago, um, and I think I think the um, position of that administration was, of course, President Obama didn't direct a specific um, sentence be issued in a specific trial. Um, he was he was expressing his generalized um, lack of tolerance for sexual assault. Um, the, every every fact finder and every sentencing authority in a court martial is supposed to be able to. Freely and fairly consider the full range of punishments. Um, so mm-hmm. if they're if they're bound by some outside influence in, and restricted from considering the full and fair range of punishments, um, that is an issue that that will be raised in a in a court martial. And I think it I think it was raised just like that. And the Secretary of Defense came out very soon thereafter, within weeks at most a month. And issued a corrective white paper, which was, which I know from my own trial experience, which a lot of military judges just read straight to the jury. Hey, you may have heard about President Obama's um, statements about sentences. You're to forget them. <laughs> the Secretary of Defense wants you to consider the full and fair range of all punishment. In so. in military courts and court martials or what have you, um, are there mandatory minimums like there are in some? Normal criminal courts. Very good question. O- only for a certain narrow set of offenses, and that's a very recent development. Hmm. So, from from the dawn of the Uniform Code, 1950, um, until really just 
a couple of years ago, no. Wow. Not. Um, uh, and now only for narrow offenses, um, certain sex offenses, um, and, and death offenses. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, interesting. So to, so yeah. To, and, and I owe the, I owe you and your listeners this, as to Admiral Caldwell, um, we litigated unlawful influence starting from and descending through Admiral Caldwell, but not, I'm sorry, starting from the Chief of Naval Operations Office. Um, and, and that was really the, the focus of our unlawful influence argument. What do you mean that it was the focus? Uh, the, 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 your focus was on the, the CNO? Uh, what we litigated were, and what we argued in court were that um, statements coming from CNO's office um, to include by the CNO himself, CNO's public report, um, the, the VCNO's uh, announcement before the NJP that Bryce was going to be NJP, um, and before the before he was detached for cause that he was going to be detached for cause. Um, the the CNO's press conference on November one after his public report, um, the CNO's testimonies before Congress both in September of two thousand seventeen and January of two thousand eighteen, um, his all hands. Um, talk at the Pentagon, his um, commanding officer's roundtable down in Mayport. This is a long um, list. <laughs> and there, oh, I mean, it, it was a long list. Yeah. Um, and 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 his chief of naval chief of naval information office series of press releases, um, all unlawfully influenced. Not just the ability that Bryce would have to get a fair trial, but, and here's where we argued it descended through Admiral Caldwell, that it impermissibly cabins the range of disposition options that Admiral Caldwell had. Okay. So if, if the Chief of Naval Operations has already sanctioned or ratified the NJP and BFC, and then our argument was he's rehanded the case to a member of his staff, he can only be looking for one more, you know, uh, for actions in one direction. Yeah. And that is ratcheted up. Well, um, so the, the, so, uh, the court agreed with your opinion on Admiral Caldwell. Is that correct? No. Okay. Not. So I, 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 I need to be very careful about this. Too, yeah. Because I don't want to um, misrepresent anything that happened. Um, as to disposition, Admiral Caldwell and his lawyers, he had specially assigned lawyers just for this. Um, he had, you know, he has a staff duty advocate, but he also had, um, a, a senior legal advisor assigned just for his CDA review. They were aware of this issue. Everybody heard the CNO's remarks at the press conference in November of 2017. And a few days later, you know, about 12 days later, the CDA, Admiral Caldwell, issued a memorandum for the record saying, I, I heard these remarks, but I don't, I don't pay attention to that. I have my own independent decision making. Okay. Um, and then the next summer, August 2018, as we were in litigation, uh, Admiral Caldwell issued another memorandum saying, 
yeah, there's been some other remarks. I've had some other talks with CNO, with VCNO, with the Secretary of the Navy, um, with the Chief of Naval Information, um, and none of those things have influenced my decision to refer these judges to a general court martial. So there were some insulating memoranda and um, some other efforts to keep the CDA protected from um, statements from higher. And the court found that as to disposition, those were sufficient uh, and that the CDA was not unlawfully influenced in his disposition authority. That is to say, his decision to refer the charges was not the product of unlawful influence. Okay. There's the court a... agreed with us, however, that the series of statements, reports, press releases um, from CNO's office, um, including when I say CNO's office, I mean his, you know, Omnav staff. Yeah. Um, did did violate Article Thirty Seven in that um, even if they didn't intend for this result, and even if we don't know that this result has happened, which is to say actual unlawful influence. A member of the public, a reasonable member of the public, in fully informed of all the facts, could view these as impermissibly undermining Commander Benson's ability to get a fair trial. That's the apparent unlawful influence. Um, that, that ruling came out in, in late December, I think December, 20, December 20th, um, 2018. The ruling as to the CDA, Admiral Caldwell, was totally different. That was a different protection under Article 1 and, and Article 22 um, of the Uniform Code about accusers. The con- a convening authority in our system has to be something like an independent arbiter. They can never be fully independent because they're charged with maintaining good order and discipline. And so they have to have a, a yeah. somewhat Everybody you know, institutionalized the, disciplinary role. We all but work they, they cannot have expressed or um, they cannot have expressed a, a particular in, opinion about the outcome, or they can't have a personal stake in the outcome. Mm-hmm. They can't be what we call a type three accuser, somebody who's got a personal um, role in you know either as a victim, like you know a community authority can't be the person from whom somebody stole the property in a right. case. Yeah, so this is where um, it gets a little a little bit complex. I mean, I don't know. This is probably outside the bounds of the court. But we we in the Navy all have a personal stake in this. And especially when you start talking about sy- the two collisions and all of the allegations of systemic failures. Yeah, but not technically. Like if you had a um, – if you were a senior member and you had a child aboard one of the boats that – or one of the ships and that person died, then you'd have then a you have real a personal, personal stake. Connection. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but you know – who was getting fired at the time, and it was getting larger and larger. There were two stars and three stars that were being forced to retire. So at some point, do you say, well, uh, the four stars got a personal stake because his job's on the line? I don't know. Well, and this article, the the I've never heard of these people, but the uh, Journal Sentinel, they had this one line that said, in January 2019, a military judge disqualified the admiral in charge of the court-martial for showing bias in public comments, criticizing Benson, leaving... Him facing court martial with no one to preside over the trial, is that is that referring to Caldwell? I have no idea. That's, get... that's referring to Caldwell, and I, I, you know, I, I just hesitate to run with that line about showing bias. Um, 
Yeah. What the the prohibition was, what made him an accuser were two things. Um, first, and and Jimmy, just to your point about our collective interest in the outcomes, totally true. I would still say that's a professional interest. Okay. Um, that that's something that falls along our um, official duties, and and if a convening authority has uh, professional or official duties that that make him interested in the in the case. That's perfectly permissible, and one of those duties is commander. He's charged with maintaining good order and discipline. Okay, um, it's the personal stake that um, that is impermissible. And here's here's what that here's what the military judge found in our case. Uh, first, when when the comedian, when consolidated disposition authority made his decisions about what was going to happen to people, six people went to court martial, but about fifteen others. Um, had to go to NJP or had to go to NJP for a second time. And Admiral Caldwell actually flew out to Yakuska um, to impose those punishments. And in the mask hearings, um, Admiral Caldwell had a, a script with him um, that contained questions that were um, that were investigative. Uh, in fact, they, the evidence we litigated showed that they had been generated to collect more evidence about Commander Benson. <laughs> okay, so he's um, he's, so you're he's trying he's to get the, trying to conduct an investigation. Yeah, yeah, he's asking the XO of the ship and the and the TMC and the NAV, hey, you know, did did Commander Benson even care about what was going on on the ship? Hmm. What what were Commander Benson's intentions with A, B, and C, and why wasn't he on the bridge in one, two, and three? Right. But these these um, uh, proceedings that he was flown out to Yakuska, Japan for. Were were not directly related to Benson. These were NJP non-judicial punishment proceedings for the officers that were standing in front of the admiral. Yes. Yeah. So he was using that opportunity to ask questions from people who would know about Benson. Yes. Uh, and and so so whether I'm, <laughs> Admiral Caldwell didn't testify. We never interviewed Admiral Caldwell. Um, so I no, don't he's know welcome to come on to the show. What his position would be as to why he asked those questions. Um, so he, he may have thought there was a legitimate reason for them, but on its face, they they look they look like a they could have made Admiral Caldwell a witness, depending on what the answers were, and b they they had a a prosecutorial purpose at, as they concerned Commander Benson. Yeah, because the second they, issue. Okay, go this. ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, the other. Disposition actions that arose um, were administrative, including the recommendation that the Commodore, Commander um, Destroyer Squadron 15, and the previous Commander USS Fitzgerald both uh, show cause for retention in the Navy. That recommendation went from Admiral Caldwell's office to either CNP or NPC. I can't enable... Chief Naval Personnel or Naval Personnel Command. I can't remember which um, which office had authority in this case. The fact that um, we have it, two it, different offices uh, that that are one one is CNP and one is NPC. It just uh, that's that's just a okay. good job, military. <laughs> right, and and, and, it, and they have yeah, and they have designated one of those offices as the as the um, show cause authority for the collision cases, but I can't remember which one. It was. Uh, I was about to ask if you could tell us which one. <laughs> Um, but uh, in those show cause recommendations, Admiral Caldwell 
um, wrote um, at length about his findings based on his review uh, about the culpability of each of those officers, um, which showed that he had conducted at least some independent investigation. And then he capped it off by saying, now I have decided not to um, uh, pursue court-martial charges against these two officers because I have found, um, and I think he may have written this specifically about the Commodore, um, because I have found that the that the commanding officer um, and other officers on board the ship were directly responsible for the collision. <laughs> okay, so he's, uh, he's he's already decided at that point. Exactly. Now, now the, it, it, there may be a reason he phrased it like that, but um, we argued, and, and we were successful in arguing that he, that 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 defeats the veneer of independence. Yeah, he, yeah. He's got but a, does he? Did he's he got have? Already. Did he have any? Um, and he's not a lawyer. This this is a, a four star admiral that is. Uh, very successful in the Navy, very experienced, but he's he's not a lawyer. Did he have legal counsel himself? I mean, he well, was he was assigned not in his personal capacity, but yeah, he, he was he, he had he had some had not yeah as advocate yeah as yeah commander naval reactors. He also had a senior legal advisor. Yeah, that's one of the, the unique parts about military justice is we, we have to kind of, we assign very senior officers to take on these legal proceedings, but they don't necessarily have legal backgrounds. And so we, we find guys like you who do have the legal backgrounds to, to help the senior officers and advise them. But ultimately, these, these, these senior admirals and generals are the ones making... So the, is, is that right? So I the mean, judge, so to speak, isn't necessarily someone that's been through... Any... Well, no, so the judge of the, the court-martial is... Is a jag, right? okay? Right, I think Justin. He is. Is a he was an, he is an O six in the navy. Okay, but as far as the the um, the convening authority that 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 falls on to a non lawyer uh, senior military leader. And what does convening yep, we, authority mean? That, that is a subject of of much um, political controversy right now. Whether commanders should retain. Um, a role in the convening of courts martial, um, but yeah, as, as our system is designed around the commanding officer's um, ownership of the court martial process, and you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the line officers who are responsible for mission execution, um, they get a, you know a little bit of training on the side um, in their you know PCO course about the court martial system, um, but no, they're by no means experts in it, and they rely yeah. on their advocates to, to shepherd them through. So, do you think that um, uh, this is just a, an opinion question for you? Do you think there's an issue with um, military justice as it stands right now? I mean, with our system, the way that we're uh, the way that we're doing business. I mean, this is okay. So, I, I should have mentioned this before. I I'm speaking as counsel for Commander Bryce Benson. Okay. And I don't speak on behalf of the Navy. I oh, don't speak yep. on behalf of even the Defense Counsel Assistance Program where I work. I don't, you know, I speak only as Commander Justin Henderson and not even Commander Justin Justin Henderson. Yeah. Oh, um, we should, no, we should I, also say the same thing. We always stop in the middle of the show somewhere and then I will remind everybody that I do not speak on behalf of the Department of Defense and nobody agrees with me and 
Frank Frank can say whatever he wants because he's not an employee of the government. That's right. So I say that everything that I say does represent all of the government and the Navy. So. You you are the taxpayer. <laughs> you are the American people. Yeah. Uh, but so so we have to do this. This is good. This is good. We're clarifying. No, nobody agrees with yeah. us. Nobody endorses us. Right, I, I, I shouldn't have waited this long. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any problem with the with the court martial system. I I okay. I think it's a. Oh, I shouldn't say there's no problems with coercion. I don't think there's any problem with command authority in um, convening and owning courts. I think that's. I think our uniform code is better when it is closer to the deck plates. Um, yeah. I think it has to have some um, tangible meaning to uniform service members. So, and if it, if we delegate that to. Um, Civilian, a civilianized core of prosecutors, we lose um, some of the import. I think a critical component of the import of our UCMJ. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the things that we've done in the Navy for, for years since I've been in, and, and I, and I would guess a lot longer, is um, we have relied on administrative procedures to take care of discipline. Um, when it's just because it's easier we've uh, gotten guys that have uh, sailors that have um, positive for drugs and then they just get administratively separated from the navy instead of going to a court martial or any kind of legal proceedings uh so it became very common it became sort of the um uh status quo you know you just do and then last year um before he left office, the Secretary uh, of Defense, uh, uh, Mattis, mm. wrote a memo, and he, he said he kind of attacked that, not just the Navy, but just in general, the Department of Defense, saying, let's stop just using administrative procedures. We need to, to get back to the heart of it, which is the UCMJ, Ooh. and hold people accountable from a, um, a military legal perspective. And I wonder, and this, was, this has been, uh, this is 2018, so it was after the collisions, but it was... Uh, I don't know if it had any effect on, on that case, but I wonder if we're having some heartburn in trying to adjust to this, getting back to not just relying on administrative procedures, because administrative procedures, then, Justin, you wouldn't even be involved. Well, and, I mean, is that... Well, yeah, and, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, like, his motivation... Well, I don't know his motivation, but, you know, when I hear that, you know, I always think that, um, you know, you don't need a tyrant if you have an ever-living bureaucracy. So if suddenly you don't have your court-martial system, you don't have the this code that has been well-established over the years, and you can skirt it with administrative yeah. steps, then suddenly you've got, you know, bureaucrats who are just appointed to these places, able to make major decisions yeah. for And his point was members. discipline. His point was getting back to a disciplined force, and you don't really have it if you're just using administrative procedures. So yeah. I don't know if... Uh, Justin, if you have any thoughts on that and this um, this idea of uh, getting getting around the the legal process by using administrative procedures, uh, and then and then trying to get back to that, uh, I yeah I do have thoughts on that. <laughs> I um, you know, speaking for myself, I um, appreciate and admire General Mattis, Secretary Mattis. I I think there's a lot to be said for. Um, reinvesting in our use of the code. But I would push back in, in this way. Um, Congress, you know, our, our courts martial are creatures of legislation. Congress gives us the ability to, to have a, a court martial system. And within that code, in Article 30, um, Congress 
directs commanders to uh, dispose of charges in the best interests of justice and discipline. Not mm -hmm. just discipline, but justice and discipline. Okay. And when the president implements the code, um, specifically the directive to commanders on how to dispose of offenses, this is Rule for Course Marshal 306, the president says, you've got a range of disposition options. That includes doing nothing with offenses, or administrative measures, or non-judicial punishment, all the way up to general court-martial. So when, when the secretary says, use the court-martial system, I, I, I don't think it's um, fair to extract administrative measures outside of our um, uniform code um, disciplinary system. It's okay. part of it. As long as they uh, go now, through the system I, to get to that end, though, I think would I be... I think as, as long as we are executing discipline, and I think what you're saying, Justin, is that's part of it. Right, and if it's used thoughtfully, then, then we're, we're all on... Uh, we're all reading from the same sheet of music. But what, what has happened, and I think anybody who's been around the system for the last decade or, or a couple decades knows this, um, the, the, the secretary was right. I mean, Secretary Mass was correct that, that administrative measures have become a default um, for a lot of, you know, all sorts of what what pre, you know offenses that previously went to a court martial. But but I'm not sure that's a bad thing entirely. Courts martial have become more complex, and this is, you know, one of the reasons I reached out to you all, and I appreciate you giving me this venue, yeah, um, is um, as, as our code, as our uniform code and our military justice system has become more professional um, and more um, independent, the, the ability to carry a trial from its birth to its grave um, has has become more specialized. It's not to say it's more difficult, it's just it's got an ornate set of procedures, it does take more time than it took out on the battlefield, um, the, the, the due process protections have um, become more um, fully realized, and, um, and the, the measures that um, Congress has put in place to ensure that our court-martial system looks more like a civilian justice system than a military good order and discipline system uh, have have slowed the court-martial process. Mm -hmm. And I can I can I sympathize with commanders who think well, it just takes too long. Um, it takes longer. That's true. And so, I guess uh, we we have we have. Not confused, but um, blended the administrative uh, measures with the court martial procedures in such a way that I don't think they become as useful for commanders. Um, and so I can see why they would default to administrative measures. But that confusion, I think, is uh, I shouldn't speak for anybody, but my suspicion is, and this is what we argued, um, that. They're, they're, they are different measures. Administrative measures um, for accountability are different from um, punitive. 
They're, yeah. they're, they're part of the thought of how to dispose of offenses, but they are on different realms. And Commander Benson's case, um, we argued, we litigated, was the product of uh, a revisiting or a redisposition that 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 treated his case like, well, this is just a little bit more. Um, he got some non-judicial punishment and a detachment for cause and administrative measures, and now we're just doing a little bit more. Well, yeah, it, it's more for sure, but it, a court-martial is a different plan, um, and it, it involves um, a stand, not just a standard of proof, but also a, a conceptually a different level of fault than the administrative measures did. Um, you detach somebody for cause because they are, when they're a commanding officer, because they are responsible for everything that happens in their command, you know, pursuant to Navy Regulation 0802, and you've lost trust in their ability to ensure that everything in their command happens um, in accordance with the, you know, the storm and the SOT. You prosecute somebody, a commanding officer, the same way you prosecute anybody else who's wearing a uniform. Yeah. Because their actions violate pre-existing uh, criminal statutes, or in, in the case of instructions, pre-existing instructions that carry with it punitive sanctions. Yeah, so and, when, you're, when, you're, when you're putting a, a commanding officer up for uh, being relieved or NJP, you know, it's a little bit easier because their standard of accountability is so high that you go, okay, I mean, we're going to relieve you. We've lost confidence in your ability to command. But then when you put him up for trial, now all of a sudden he's the same as any other sailor, and it, it becomes more difficult for you because now the standard of, of proof is no longer this uh, loss of confidence, or we, we talk about the preponderance of evidence, uh, you know, 51% in, in, uh, in NJP. But in uh, court, you've got, what, what was it, the beyond the shadow of doubt? or um, Beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah, beyond reasonable doubt. So. All of a sudden, you've got this commanding officer that you want to maybe make an—I ex- don't know—make well, make an example of, but he's just like anybody else. So you've got to work that much harder. Well, and Justin, you've been very cautious to make sure you're not speaking out of turn one way or the other, not speaking uh, for anybody. And so I'm going to go the other route with this. Like a- after reading into this for a while, it strikes me that the negligent homicide uh, charges, followed by the you know the whatever the influence um it all smells to me like uh steamrolling like they didn't want to go to trial they don't uh you know because he wasn't gonna sit back and say ah guilty to you know give me some charges and guilty um it it just seemed like a steamroll it seemed like they didn't want to go to trial they didn't want to talk about anything it was just like let's settle let's throw as much shit at the fan as possible and just see if we can clog it up that's that's my feedback what do you think about my feedback yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I cannot and I won't impugn anybody's motives. I assume everybody in leadership is doing the absolute best they can to, to ensure that our Navy is, um, is, is mission ready um, and, and is living out our mandate. I will say that the, the court martial case against Commander Benson, um, and we, this is, we argued this in court, was... The charges themselves did not respect the difference between uh, 
command responsibility and criminal liability. Yeah, that's a great and, point. And this 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 really came to the fore when when and I think that by the way, the military just never ruled on these issues. We I mean, we we as of today we still you know when the charges were dismissed we still had nine motions to dismiss outstanding yeah. just because the charges themselves didn't you know state offenses or didn't didn't provide due process guarantees of notice and and had other defects but the military judge put it to the to the government in court and said well, is is your theory here uh, the theory of criminal liability one of vicarious liability that is to say mm. somebody else committed the crime but the person on trial is guilty vicariously yeah like which, the buck stops here which in is, criminal is, court we, yeah, well we have we have that in court i mean that's how you get conspiracy offenses and that's how you get um aiding and abetting um huh. and, and and aiding and abetting after the fact or solicitation offenses somebody else does the act but the person on trial is guilty because but here's the here's the big problem the government has in all of those cases it is because they shared the same criminal mind. Right. They right. wanted so, the same outcome. <laughs> they paid you them. They, it's like you, you were like Tanya Harding paying the guys to go and break Nancy Kerrigan's knees. Why? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sort of theory is unknown in negligence, where there's no criminal state of mind. Yeah. So right. somebody else was negligent. But you are guilty, and and the and the United States could never move the government. The charging theory could never move past, well, because they're ultimately responsible. That's that's a that's a way that's a way we envision command structure. That's not that's not a way we envision criminal um, liability. Well, that's what struck me when I first heard negligent homicide. Yeah. And your point about the charges themselves did not respect the differences between. Command responsibility and criminal liability, and this is where we're getting hung up the most on it. I think the like as we talk about on, on these different episodes, because yeah. you know I think both Jimmy and I both believe in the buck stops here. You got to take personal responsibility, but being sent to the gallows for it. To... Yeah, and this is as, as I, I, I understand it. I think the the negligent homicide charge was yeah. unprecedented. Is that right? I mean, was there has there have there been other cases now? May, maybe. There are cases that could happen where um, the commanding officer was drunk. Yeah, I was about to say, you're you know, high or, as a kite. Yeah, like, ah, yeah okay. <laughs> so, but this, but Bryce was not any of those things. Nice. He, he, Taking a four-hour nap. Yeah, I mean, and even that was it's arguable about whether or not he did anything wrong there. No, in his rebuttal, um, which I haven't read the whole thing, but he talks about, you know, according to the blah, blah, blah code, you know, you're not supposed to be... I don't know. Awake and in charge for too damn long. So he yeah. was. He was an argument to be made, and I. I think he said he had already done twelve hours. Right. Yeah. So sorry, sorry to, to cut you off there, Justin. <laughs> we, we 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 care about this. I mean, I am a I'm a swell, no. and uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a an invested, um, you know, outside observer in this whole process. So you know, I get fired yeah, up. Yeah. No, by I it. get it. I, I I will say this. I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of legalized community here, but. Um, one of the one of the most dedicated adherents to uh, command ownership was is is Bryce Benson. So this idea that you know he, he was um, it, 
one of the things we were fighting against was the idea that that Commander Benson didn't, you know, take responsibility for this. Uh, and this this was part of our litigation um, against the unlawful influence. There was a there was a Navy press release that after the OOD pled guilty, um, after her court martial came out, the Navy put out a press release that said that she took responsibility for her role in the collision, which which just you know, for for anybody who's kind of paying attention, just screamed that that well, this guy who's not pleading guilty refuses to take responsibility. <laughs> yeah. For oh man, that's, I mean, that's that's you could really read into that. Well, yeah. it, but it's hard. Like when you're when you got all when you're facing criminal charges, you can't be like, hey, it's my <laughs> fault. Also not guilty, but my fault, not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm right watching in. the I'm, I'm watching the Handmaid's Tale right now, and there's all <laughs> these instances where, <laughs> I mean, really, you watch it, and you're like, they, they they force these people to to admit their guilt for their sins, you know, and if you don't, yeah. you don't confess, well, it's like a witch. Oh, it's like uh, Game of Thrones, you know, where in Cer- Queen uh, Cersei was uh, imprisoned, and then the crazy nuns were like, confess, yeah. confess. <laughs> So I mean, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. We weren't in the star chamber, but, yeah, but yeah. I would say that. Um, and Frank, if you get a chance to read the, the full rebuttal, you'll see. Um, you know, Commander Benson, from the start and through through last week when we submitted the rebuttal, has said there is a risk management um, obligation right. on a commanding officer. He, he must be able to um, assess, you know, you know, articulate and mitigate again the the known and foreseeable risks of all of his operations. Not just navigation, but everything that the ship does. Um, and on, on this mission, without a doubt, um, Commander Benson, you know, did not effectively mitigate against the known or, um, I'm sorry, not against the known, against the existing navigational risk. Hmm. And so, and there, there is a... If you don't um, mind me interrupting there, you there, I'm sorry, I guess sure. everybody minds, but um, his rebuttal, like, I read through, I mean, it's 18 pages, and at some point, uh, I was telling Jimmy, I started to skim because he was, you know, basically like, ah, oh, you're wrong because of X, Y, and Z. And at some point I would read through X. I'm like, okay, this is getting very detailed. Um, but I'm, it, first of all, I think it was a very, I think it's a good letter, especially compared to the letter of censure where it was just like, you fucked up everything. You weren't prepared. You didn't do anything right. And so, I mean, it's kind of a, a broad, a broad way to accuse somebody. And so I, I think he did, I think the letter is a good, um, a good rebuttal. Um, but I don't see a lot of, um, I see him saying that he did take, uh, proper steps to mitigate. Uh, like, it seems like his position is, I, uh, you know, I did everything I could. I did everything I could. Uh, that seems to be the general tone of the rebuttal. Well, I, I, I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come across to the reader as, um, you know, in any way petulant or no. refusing to accept um you know his place in the in the organizational um set of demand the the point that um we're trying to make is um being charged being um charged with the responsibility of ensuring safe navigation 
requires an assessment of manning capabilities, your, your personnel, your equipment, um, the, the state of your ship's operational readiness, um, the, the past performance of your crew, and going through those, um, I want to say ORM steps, but they're really leadership steps, um, here's how Commander Benson arrived at his decision. Now, if this decision, using these steps, um, was, was insufficient to protect the lives of his crew and, and maintain safety, and manifestly it was, then he, relief is appropriate. Yeah, I, 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 but, I, yeah, I, I agree that, with you that's there. But that's not, that's not being negligent. That's yeah. just, that, 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 excuse me, that's not being negligent. That's just failing to make the correct call. Well, I think that's where we get but to this, code, uh, this code, difference. Is, the, in, in the in our manual, you know, ne- in the negligent dereliction of duty provision, it says uh, being bad at your job is not a basis for um, a criminal charge. Well, that's I don't yeah, think yeah. I don't think Bryce Benson was bad at his job, but he miscalculated. Well, some so something happened, and in the end result was that people died, and and he was in command. So you know, I I'll, I'll be the first to say that I I think that he should have been relieved. Uh, I I I don't disagree with that that occurrence um but for the navy to then charge him with negligent homicide i've always said that i didn't think that was a good call right. and i think that you know and i and by the way i would love to have i would love to have a conversation with bryce benson i have not um i'm just a swell i mean just another just a regular guy i'm not involved in this case whatsoever but uh i'm, I'm invested as any swell would be and and uh or for that matter any american you know and i and so I, I do think that it was appropriate for him to be relieved of command. Yeah. I don't think that the, the rest of it went very well for all of us, for any of us. Right. And, 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 you know, it was, it was it's a, probably a good thing that he contested the charges and said, let's, well, let's, let's get a few things straight here, Navy. You know, that, that kind of, I, I was, I was, I'm not going to say I'm pulling for the guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm conflicted by the whole thing, but you know, it's, it's, I did not like the way that the Navy handled the situation. Yeah. And and so and, and I I'm also not a fan of the way that it ended. Uh, him, this this kind of just dropped the charges and issue a letter. I'm bullshit. You know yeah. this is it was, we all deserve more than that. I'm not. I mean, hey, you know, Justin, you 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 defended your client well, and and know uh, this is not personal, but I just in in you know it just left me wanting. I I I wanted more closure. I don't know. So it does, and I will say that reading. So I've. You know, I've gone back and forth a lot on this, and part of it is, you know, what is what is criminal and what is just, you know, taking responsibility for, for you know, the buck stops here kind of stuff. Yeah. And so when I was, you know, I was doing some research on it, and I, I my default position is, of course, you're in, you're in charge of the ship. Anything that happens is because of your, you know, you did something right or you did something wrong or you didn't do something in general. Um, when I saw the letter of censure. Like it, it cut through. Like I mean, it was just <laughs> so blunt. Just like you didn't train your people, you weren't prepared, you didn't do anything, and you suck. And so I, when I read that, I was like, "Damn, that's cold." And so, but uh, so I was like, "Let me see what this rebuttal is." And yeah. and really, the the rebuttal, um, it, it did not come off as petulant, uh, but it does a lot to show you, I guess, the 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 makeup of the man, you know, because. 
I, obviously, he has counsel, and and I'm I'm sure he had some some help in drafting uh, the response. And yeah, but his name's on it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it, not from right. the legal count. It's not from Justin Henderson. Right. But it's from but like, accumulating yeah. the data and all that. But it it does paint the picture of um, somebody who did not end up asleep haphazardly right you know it wasn't just somebody that was like yeah i guess i'm tired now i'll take a nap and then fire the missiles yeah you know and we haven't even gotten into any of and this is a, probably another conversation for another time but of the things that led up to the collision the months and years and decades before it happened i mean that's another part of this that's part of why i think there were all there was all this uci is that there were systemic problems that led to the people being on that ship that made such bad decisions and weren't entrained on their equipment. I think I mean, it's not, it's not all, it doesn't, I, I, I don't think it all falls on Bryce Benson. And I think that they, I don't think that the Navy wanted to have, they didn't want to have that conversation. Have, yeah. Have that pu- somewhat public conversation of like, Hey, we've been telling you to yeah. better train and, and uh, it, shorter deployments. Yeah. And it did, it did pan out a little bit. And I think that, uh, if it had gone to, um, you know, the conclusion at trial or, um, it probably would have gotten, I don't know. It wouldn't. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it would have been something the Navy would have wanted. So, uh, Hey, Justin, real quick. So before we go, I want to, I want to ask you real quick. So you've been involved in one of the more high profile, case military justice cases in the navy i mean this is to me it's reminiscent of like the the cane mutiny or something you know some uh, uh obviously that's fiction this is real life but uh you know now you have you're still in the navy like what what's your future look like i mean do you think about how you've kind of gone you against the navy and now you're um scarlet letter <laughs> yeah i mean i'm curious just forget forget bryce benson for a second and just talk justin henderson i mean what what are you um, what are you looking at here? Because uh, you know, I'm mean, obviously just being on this podcast and the things. That, I mean, I've I've kind of come out and said some critical things against the Navy, but uh, you know, you are you, you, in the course of your job. You're it's it's sort of you know that's what you do. Um, so I, it, it could be just another day at the office, but this is sort of this is pretty high profile. So I'm curious to think just to hear what you have to to say about you know your your involvement in one of the more high profile cases in, uh, in the Navy. I will say that, um, a, a couple things. I, I know less about, um, Naval operations, especially surface operations, than, um, the average judicate does. And, um, and they know almost nothing. So, <laughs> This last year and a half has been an incredible, just, um, you know, everybody says fire hose. I mean, it's been more than fire. It's just been just, um, more than I could possibly have ever, um, imagined in, in terms of an education. Into, into yeah, you know, you might, uh, operational I'll, I'll sign your PQS and you, you can get a slow pin out of this maybe. yeah. Yeah, well, and, but what I, I, the reason I say that is, um, the, the last year and a half has, has taught me that, that the Navy's, um, issues and concerns, um, are almost homogenous across communities. So the, 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 the problems that the, the, um, surface fleet has, um, replicate, mirror the problems that the Javitate General's Corps has, but, but in the same way, the attitude and the um, 
disposition toward addressing them is similar too. And as there are uh, people in the surface community who can um, take meaningful, I won't say oppositionist positions, but stake out intellectual ground. You know, I mean, I, I think there are people who are adherents of um, Brian McGrath's philosophy um, <laughs> and you know, um, he's he's a friend, by the way. Right. So we we know we we we're, we're telling no, no, I, we're telling I, him everything I, you say about him. <laughs> he he's he's a valuable, um, uh, you know, philosopher of naval operations, yeah, and naval readiness. Um, and, and, and you know, so was Admiral Rowden, and Bryce Benson was a devotee of Admiral Rowden and Admiral yeah. Copeman, and here, here. Um, so so as there are people as there. Are people who can be iconoclastic in the surface fleet or in the, in, um, the Navy line community, so too in the JAG Corps. Um, the, the JAG Corps is not an intellectually closed off community, um, and, and moves slowly at times toward, um, organizational change for the better. And, and, and I haven't, I haven't feel, felt anything like, you know, pushback or any negative career repercussions. I'm going out to Bremerton in the, Summer to be the OIC of the defense shop out there. Oh, that's awesome! I'm, Congratulations. I'm doing, I'm doing as well as I can be for the very, very limited skill set and um, <laughs> tool set that I have. No, I think this is a this is like a, a shining light. I mean, uh, not, I'm not I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but uh, yes. I think um, you know you you going up toe to toe with four star admirals and saying you got you guys fucked up um, legally speaking. Um, and defending your client well uh, and doing the best you could um, is a good. It's a good. It's a good thing. Now, overall, a lot of better things could have happened for the Navy in the way that it went down. But you uh, defending your client uh, is that's that's a positive. And then for you to do well, I hope you do well. I hope you I hope the Navy sees fit to continue to promote you, and that uh, you know you're you're in a position in the future to um, affect more positive change. I, I, I can only hope. Well, and before... No, thanks. Hey, you guys, I, I really appreciate you giving me the, the um, forum today. I, I I know I reached out out of the blue. I, I've been sort of carrying the flag to where it's not just in the, in the um, commercial realm, but also in this idea of, you know, where, where he where he stands and where the, his defense team stands on accountability advice criminal responsibility or yeah. criminal liability. And I mean, we. I think we needed to do a better message. Uh, the one thing I'd say is the biggest lesson learned for the last year and a half was we should have gotten a PR team yep. the second, you know, charges were filed. I, knowing that, I uh, would have done a lot different. Well, and let me ask you this. Given the, how much this has been tried in the public. And before we totally call it a day, and, and first of all, for anybody wondering, Calling us out on Twitter and telling us we're totally wrong is the best way to get our attention. We yep. love that yep. shit. Yep. <laughs> we love that. Ah, uh, good. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> but so right now, um, I guess what where what is, where does Benson stand like right now? Like, what uh, is he actually facing career wise? Like, and like, and how does this rebuttal potentially affect that? Oh, I'm. I'm not sure the rebuttal has anything to do with anything. It's just making it, you know, just stating your case, um, making making his official military personnel file complete. Okay. Um, ho- hopefully, there aren't adverse 
administrative actions coming against him. Um, he's, he's got two different types of retirement pending, both term of year voluntary retirement and a medical retirement. Um, I don't know which direction he'll, he'll end up um, going or being pushed down. Um, what well, is that a thing? Uh, is he but, facing but over part, he, he, In his career, he, he's trying to help the Navy um, learn as much as they can, and he continues to think about um, Chief Ream and Petty Officer Martin and right. Sibion and Rigsby and Douglas and Anders yeah. and Hunt yeah. every day. Well, in the retirement, is that, I mean, is that something that he is facing come hell or high water, or is there a chance that a year from now he will not be retired? Uh, there's no chance that years from now he won't be retired. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, we, um, you know, love to to talk to him uh, if, if that's in the cards. If not, uh, understand. But uh, I certainly have enjoyed this conversation today. Um, You're officially our legal counsel, too. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I'll put it on my business card. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Salty. <laughs> the salty lawyer. Um, yeah, yeah, Justin, so I'll give you, you know, the last word if you have anything that uh, you want to close out with. Um, uh, I really, you know, no, I'm just... I, re- I appreciate the opportunity to keep doing the good work. Yeah. Am I supposed to say stay salty now? All right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, so anybody listening, please uh, remember you can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sources Stitcher, iTunes, Google. There was something else I'm going to add us to. I don't remember what it is. You now. say that every week, and I. Yeah, well, I, and I have been adding. But okay. uh, don't forget to rate and review it, but only if you're saying positive things. Whatever clown out there gave us a three-star review on iTunes, you've got Just me to answer Save it for to. Twitter. Yeah. Only five stars, only glowing positivity. It's how other people can find us That's and right. hear the wonderful conversations. So thank you, Justin, for joining us. We really do appreciate it. And, and keep it salty. All right.